Hello and welcome back to Everyday and New Nadir, the podcast where we talk about anything and everything that we can find in the news. I'm your host, Lee, and with me, as ever, is uh, self-described on demand, Pete. <laughs> Hello, Pete. You sound a little bit uh, like resigned when you're saying that. You're like, and as ever, <laughs> can't find anyone better. So it's Pete. St- still, still searching for... Hello everyone well just, i'm gonna say everyone just, yeah to the uh, three people hey hi Hello, sam, sam hi matt <laughs> uh anyone else yeah although that's pushing, um, I think, even that right well today we're going to uh spend a bit of time talking about uh, the recent protests in uh, in the u.s and in the uk and also all around the world um obviously the black lives matter protests so um to begin with a simple question pete uh what have you got to say for yourself as the white man <laughs> Uh, sorry. Right, it's a good start. And can can I be forgiven? Probably not. For, for, although I have to say, so I guess my background would be pretty much Irish peasantry. Peasantry? So who's saying sorry to me? <laughs> peasantry. <laughs> Irish peasantry background. So, uh, so yeah, so I, I think I'm... That's probably okay. <laughs> well, I mean, that's a quite an interesting point, uh, actually, because um, uh, when the Irish were, yeah, you know, sort of coming to the UK in the 1950s and the 1960s, roughly around the same time as the um, the Windrush generation, uh, you've, it's very common to see signs, and obviously you can Google this uh, should you wish, uh, to see sort of no no Irish, no blacks, no dogs, or whatever order that it was in. Yeah. So, which is quite interesting so, to have a sort of a white underclass being lumped in with the the West Indian, the black, and the African underclass as well, which is also quite different to the states where the Irish, when they when they went to the U.S., tended to become police. Um, so, there's a very different uh, okay. relationship between the Irish. In, and the blacks in the US than there is in the UK. Well, okay, so obviously I don't really want to go over the, 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 the start of why people started protesting. Um, obviously people have seen the video or know, have had it described in probably horrendous detail. Um, but obviously one of the things that's really sort of stuck out in the last couple of weeks um, has been the toppling of statues, and that's really what I wanted to... Uh, uh, really begin with. How do you feel about that, Pete? Uh, I mean, well, I thought it was a glorious sight to behold uh, a couple of weekends ago when Colston, Colston, I guess, the came down. Yeah, Colston, yeah. And uh, that was, you know, it appeared where it's sort of pretty grim news situation uh, of obviously the COVID stuff and it's just multiple hell. And then seeing something like that some quite effective direct action pretty obviously peaceful i mean it would be made to look there's oddballs out there sort of making it seem like we have the violent mob um Mm. but pretty peaceful it it wasn't like there were two sides standing off you know kind of thing uh which is probably going to happen more now i guess and obviously if it's in the u.s context you'll have like white supremacists who are armed kind of defending stuff now uh but yeah i mean you know anything like that uh i thought wonderful uh but but what all i would say in some of this stuff 
as I don't know, it's it's hard because so I've been discussing this situation and and in the events, but like I, I do wonder as like a white kind of middle class, I guess, guy, um, how much I sort of should be discussing it publicly. Not should, but I do feel torn. So, for example, when there was that day where all the lovely, yeah, right on, yeah, obviously, I think yeah, the correct view and opinion on things white people were putting the kind of black lives matter like blackout thing on instagram obviously that's great but another side of me is like this will just go in a few weeks yeah. which is inevitable this is what happens with all kinds of stuff that happens and then it will be the people who have to deal with this with racism whether you know obviously it's individual or institutional or structural sort of they'll be like left behind dealing with this as a daily basis kind of thing once the rest of us, inverted commas, move on. Those who of us who can, because we've got the privilege to, because, you know, the colour of epidermis. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I find, and, and, like, I didn't do that, which, you know, might make me a massive racist. I don't know. But I find it, because it did seem, I hate saying this sort of phrase, because it is, like, the sort of sliding into the alt-right thing of, like, performative. Mm. And I'm, like, as a white person, I think there's this thing of, like, May maybe just shut the fuck up, you know, like listen and use the privilege at times where it's important. So I don't know if you're on a fucking bus and there's, I mean, you know, I've sat on trains where there will be football, like, you know, I don't know what the, what the collective, a, a collective of football, fans, what's it called? A scum? I don't know. <laughs> a scum of football fans <laughs> using the N word, like, wildly throwing it around uh and i think i think this is about like on thierry Henry or something they were talking about and they're using it and so it's always like reducing you know can be like one of the best footballers ever uh you know an intelligent guy but it always can just be come back down to being a n-word to you know racists and these mm. people and sitting opposite a mum well, again it's a mum and daughter and they're both like you know black people and just feeling deeply ashamed and doing nothing because you know frankly i didn't want to rout rile up 20 absolute you know assholes and race stuff because you know i would get my head kicked in yeah in that moment that's probably the moment where you use that kind of privilege or whatever but also there is that way it's like look you know if i do certain things i am putting myself in danger i you know i wimp it out in that occasion but obviously that's probably the sort of time where you can make a difference or not doing certain things or not saying so I don't know, a guy on social media and kind of doing a sort of nothing thing. I mean, it is in solidarity, but I think there's, there's other ways to show solidarity. And it's, it, it, I mean, that is one of them and you can do it obviously. And there's non-stop in you and like, you know, the Instagram blackout, whatever it's like fine, but it's something also I do get this reaction when, uh, when lots of people are doing the same thing. I've just got this like natural reaction to like, bulk at it and not want to do it and that's my own thing and that has nothing to do with the specific issue now but like i was just like what the heck like uh, is everyone who's doing this sat down and thought about it or is it like a trend or is it to like fit in or is it to like seem cool and nice and and you know that a part of those things that's fine you know uh i'm not really probably like explaining this very well but i don't know it's just my thing is just as a white person unless it is something you're going to change or do that's of import just shut the fuck up you know yeah. that is my general approach and maybe there is a thing of science is violence i don't know whatever but i think in some 
ways it can be you know we hear a lot of, from again like now and it's that we hear a lot about what white people think about stuff maybe we don't always have to you know? <laughs> uh but going to a protest obviously that's totally different so if you're a white man or woman and you go to a protest that is that's solidarity that's showing like you know uh real yeah solidarity with people in that struggle and that's completely different from what i'm talking about so yeah fair enough i think the idea of solidarity is obviously very important um how you show solidarity is not a black and white thing i think it is quite nuanced um something that made me particularly with the i mean i don't use instagram or facebook and things like that so the blackout thing sort of slightly passed me by um however um what was interesting to see was a lot of companies and corporations you know throwing their weight behind it um and something i saw on twitter something that a friend of ours who we uh, an acquaintance of ours i should say (laughs) who we went to university (laughs) with um who i won't name because he doesn't uh have his name on twitter but uh uh, yeah, well, well, we can discuss who it is later. Um, but he said, okay. you know, it, it... I probably don't even know them. But okay. <laughs> well, we'll see. Um, uh, one of the things he said was, it's you know, it's absolutely right and correct to point out that brands perform solidarity on social media for self-interested reasons. Um, but we should also recognise that they do so uh, because certain concerns and causes and positions are in the process of becoming hegemonic. What his point, and it's it's a tweet thread, I'm not going to read all of it, but what his point was that we can be very cynical about these things, but at the same time, you know, if major icons of the capitalist system are throwing some kind of, even if it's performative weight behind an anti-racist stance, then that's something that, you know, perhaps the, the attitude is shifting. Um, I mean, it, but at the same time, you, you can have, uh, particularly in, you know, you and I are both uh, football supporters um, and football has a long, long history of uh, problems with racism to the point where, you know, you have international games to this day where you will get racist behavior. Um, and then, yeah. you know, to have, say, for example, and I don't want to pick on Italy for example, uh, particularly, but in an example that sticks out into my head is how often that they do have problems with racism uh, in yeah. Italy, and then to have Italian and and to not really confront it, sort of you know partial stadium closures, essentially meager fines in the grand scheme of the amount of money that is made in football, and yeah. then to say oh you know it's really important that we stand up for Black Lives Matter, and it's sort of like well everything suggests are they saying that though well i mean like you know you you sad. had i don't i don't think sarah is saying anything like that which is intriguing no i mean you've had like torino of... for example um had okay. players kneeling okay that's and good. um i'm not i don't follow syria so I, I don't know the extent of the other teams but i mean i mean i doubt lazio have yeah well exactly the, yeah. that's the thing so i mean so i mean there there seems to be a regular thing of like you know, there's like there's not as many black players in Sarah, mm. I would guess. Yeah, you know, yeah, generally from what I see, mm. and there's like a few uh, notable players in terms of like the Balotelli, although he's not playing there now. And there, is it uh, that Keen guy who may be no, Everton? He, no, now he's the... he's Everton now. Yeah, yeah, but he but when he was in Italy, I was yeah. constantly seeing stuff about him being uh, abused, yeah. abused. Yeah, so 
obviously you get that sort of stuff's coming back here as well. And actually at the time, I remember like, I think Salvini there was saying that this shouldn't be that big a deal because he's like, you know, a rich, like, yeah, well, yeah he's a wealthy person he, he, and it's big. Uh, yeah, we should be worrying about sort of the workers in the stands, you know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> it's like, well, and because they've got real struggle in their lives or whatever. So it's like, yeah, look, you know, yeah, he might get some abuse, but, you know, whatever. He's a rich guy, so it's fine. But like, I do find it, I think you're what you were referring to before with uh, this person I apparently know uh, on uh, Twitter. And um, obviously it's very easy to be cynical with, yeah, the Premier, Premier League. But mm. I, I, I mean, the difference that makes... If that was just ignored, so so for example, um, uh, even just the lip service side of it. So I've got this weird predilection to listen to talk uh, right wing talk radio, okay, and I always have. I don't know why, <laughs> and and I abhor the views, but I've always find it fascinating. Found it fascinating, and there is a, a thread you can follow that was like everything that mad people would say on talk right wing talk radio in like two thousand and four or five which i used to listen to with like a friend we'd like sort of sit chain smoking at university like you know listen to like total rubbish like, all day that is now government policy yeah <laughs> no seriously so so what's interesting is that you'll you'll listen to or watch like that kind of stuff and they have to they have to preface everything by saying it's you know it's absolutely tragic what happened to is it george floyd uh, you know, yeah. yeah, barbaric or whatever. Oh, and yeah, we all want to see racism gone. And but 30, 40, 50 years ago, I mean, I don't think the people who are like right wing in a society would be having to put that little for them what is like a sort of probably like for a lot of them, like faux caveat sort of thing. It's like, yeah, I'm mm. not, you know, it's terrible, racism terrible, da, 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 but is this going too far? Blah, blah, blah. So they're having to do that. A corporation like the Premier League is, you know, vert commas taking a stand. It's obviously following in the in the wake of protest because it's so it's been dragged in that direction which is great mm. but, and if you're sat watching that what i'm interested that's the yeah the right wing football fan sitting at uh, watching at home feeling like a bit of a mug around his like social group because it's like wow like the league all the players the players in my team the white players in the team are all like taking a stand or you know, taking a knee or whatever against this and like this, I don't think people are going to change their views based on that. But like, and the no. difference it makes if you're like, you know, a, I don't know, twelve year old kid, uh, you know, boy or girl who's watching the football, and you're getting shit at school sometimes or whatever. And then there's these like, you know, peak of you know, peak athletes, blah blah blah, doing this, and sort of there's, um, I don't know. I mean, I remember reading years ago about you know Chomsky used to talk about that in terms of like corporation. Now, like if the top corporations in the world they aren't homophobic they're not so racist uh, all these kind of things and they've you know if you if if a if a director's to come out and say some horrible racist tirade they'd probably get fired or and i think there's i, th- I can't remember there's that weird is it like a chicken place in america uh, chick-fil-a yeah and the guy came out with some like mental views or whatever like that and people I think they got rid of him, or I don't know. And you no, so Chick Fil A is is own. Is, so it's a primarily a southern uh, establishment. Uh, it's like KFC, but better. Okay. And uh, the family that owns it is wildly homophobic, <laughs> and okay. um, oh, okay. and so and also I think that they wouldn't offer their workers 
like you, they couldn't get the contraception through, or uh, abortions or, or something like that oh, right. through, through the um, healthcare plan. Uh, through their medical insurance, so yep. um, so you, you have people boycotting it, which quite right they should. And I don't know the result of that. I don't know if there's been a change in in policy at the company. I think there was. Yeah. I mean, and I, and I think these things are important. So, like, I think pe- people can, you know, like leftists and so can sit there and like be a bit like sniffy about that kind of thing. Mm. But yeah, Matt, if you're a 20 year old woman working for Chick Fil A or whatever, and then there's a boycott, and then the like the the the, the management come out completely lying through the teeth. Oh, we love you know uh, female reproductive rights, love gay people. <laughs> you know, no, it could be all bullshit. But if that means at the end of the day they've had to make they've been forced to make a choice, that means that you know a woman working there can then get an abortion through a healthcare or, you know, like the gay person working doesn't feel like, oh God, I've got to like hide who I am if they're whatever. I mean, obviously there's still going to be issues and struggles with inside the company, but but that makes a massive difference. And I think like the Premier League doing yeah. what they're doing. I haven't seen that happening quite the same extent, you know, in like the Bundesliga, Bundesliga, La Liga, Serie A. I mean, I just assume it's not, which you know might be racist in itself. <laughs> no, I, I, um, I, I think the Bundesliga is is similarly is is doing very much similar okay. things to uh, the Premier League. I know, like Jaden Sancho at Borussia Dortmund, where he scored a goal a couple of weeks ago, took off his shirt, um, and it said "Justice for George Floyd." Now he got a yellow card, and people were like. But that's the shirt. Is thing, it because it? It, yeah, yeah. So that's the thing. Initially, people were like, oh, because you, apparently you're not allowed to have political messages yeah. uh, on your shirt, which is bullshit. Um, which is also bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, the Robbie Fowler, um, uh, what's it roll? They should they should call it. Yeah. But I mean, but so, but he got a card for taking off his shirt, not for having a political message. Yeah. Um, potentially, he could have been fined for it, but I think they decided that would not look very good yeah, yeah. Uh, on their part but, but i mean but it, it's difficult to see what i mean what protests do are they're very important um and particularly you know if we sort of circle back around to the the whole colston thing it's confronting the idea that you know the people that we idolize and well in theory as a society idolize and put statues up to were actually not very good people and, you know, and I mean, people saying, oh, it's erasing history and things like that. No, it's really fucking not. I mean, yeah, yeah. the statues are a form of uh, historiography in and of themselves. You know, it, when you see a statue of Churchill, for example, nobody's saying, we, you know, we all think of he's with a statue of Churchill. He was great prime minister, blah, 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 defeat the Nazis, all that rah, rah bullshit. <laughs> However, you know, there's no little notification saying that, uh, you know, he was responsible for the Bengal famine, you know, concentration camps were, uh, he was very supportive of during the Boer War, uh, where hundreds of thousands of people died, you know, um, you know, when we talk about sort of British colonial, and and this is really what um, I think is important, is that when we talk about British colonial history, people like to not talk about the rather unfortunate side of it. I mean, we talk about how, yes, the the you know slavery was outlawed on the high seas in what the 1830s or something like that yeah. the abolitionist movement was uh, very strong in the uk and william wilberforce and blah 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 however you know we don't talk about the fact that when we abolished slavery that the british government took out loans to yeah, yeah give money off, to yeah. yeah to pay off slave owners 
that we only paid off in 2015. They don't talk about the fact that the money uh, that essentially funded the the Industrial Revolution was only possible through slavery. And and there's a multitude of things like that. And the the attempt to sort of hide history um, is uh, endemic in the British government. I mean, you know, that's not just sort of 150 years ago. I mean, that's, you're still talking about like the Mau Mau revolution, communists in Malaya, you know, pretty horrific things. And there was a systematic uh, attempt to hide that by burning documents. The fact that, you know, survivors of the Mau Mau uprising are still taking the British government to court um, in, you know, the 21st century shows that there is a lot that uh, through you know institutional and very racist policies, the British government has a lot to to apologise for, and then to say, um, you know that you, know, you have government ministers last week saying, I don't think Britain is an inherently racist country. I mean, well, you kind of, you know, I mean, if you think about like the sort of race riots in the nineteen eighties and the sus laws under Thatcher, you know, there I was. Um, uh, you know, there was a the there was a new cross arson attack uh, in 1981, I think, and where I think 16 16 people, 16 black people died in an ars- in a suspected oh, okay. arson attack, and Thatcher didn't even come out and you know offer condolences. I mean, it's almost oh, similar okay. to the way May became very unsure about how to deal with the Grenfell fallout. I mean, yeah, obviously, yeah. I mean Grenfell's race. There's race like issues there yeah. as well because you know if it's a tower full of like kind of well-to-do white mm. people cry, can you imagine the fucking <laughs> what would have come out yeah. of that now i mean it's just because i mean I, this whole thing this argument that you see a lot so going back to my listening to you know right-wing talk radio is that something that comes up a lot is them saying yeah this were different times moral and ethical universe was different people saw something but it's like you know mm. that's bullshit because there were yeah, abolitionists exactly. like who could see right from wrong, and uh, I mean yes, yeah, so it's fa- it's a very strange argument to make. It's like uh, I mean we live in a world where all kinds of horrific things happen now, right? That you could just go like zip forward two hundred years and go, well, you know, pe- rape happened, people didn't know it's as bad mm. as we do now, blah blah blah, you know, sort of thing. And it just because it ha- you know it happened on industrial scale all this kind of stuff and um, it's just but you know lot, we all know well lots of us know it's like yeah. a horrific act of, like and awful and it's so it's a very strange i mean the statue people statue nonces <laughs> as they should be called i would say a good person to follow because it you know it's like cracking twitter you know guff is that andrew yeah. lillico guy who who i i don't know who he is outside <laughs> of twitter okay He's a real person, but I don't know, like, like he's an entity that seems to exist in Twitter, but and he has quite a lot of followers, but I don't know what from or like where that sort of following is garnered, like yeah. or what you know <laughs> come from. And he, he he was going nuts with the Colson thing, and I believe he did something where he he was like, I'm going to change my avatar to. Uh, I mean, they talk about fucking left wing keyboard warriors. He's like, I'm changing my avatar to it was some fucking statue, right? <laughs> Three days later, he's changed it. He's like, you know, until this all goes, yeah, this change, I'm going to make a stand and I want this. And you're like, then he changed it and you're just like, mm. what the hell is wrong with you? Like, I, I it, like, for example, like there's a statue of Engels mm. in Manchester, okay? 
And, you know, I think a lot of what Engels' work was pretty incredible and uh, the philosophy, political, economic work he did with Marx and on his own was, like, you know, revolutionary. Uh, If his statue was brought down, I would be probably fucked off for about seven minutes. (laughs) <laughs> because it's a fucking statue. It's not like they've like you know pulled it, like put propped his cadaver up and then like pulled it down Saddam Hussein style statue. You know, it's like it's a fucking statue. Uh, you know, and and it, basically there's this very, like I was reading about this in something earlier where there's there's this real idea that like politics shouldn't involve antagonism, which is a thing that if you're like probably over like thirty to forty, that has been. You know, like politics has been like hermetically sealed mm. in this sort of neoliberal bubble that has been breaking down with every year that's passed since like the financial crisis. And there's a generation, and there's young people as well, I'm sure, but like there's this real, you get this like disconnect of people who are like our age and up where everything was meant to be settled. We were meant to be existing in the end of history. Mm. Uh, liberal democracy was that was it going forward into, you know, for forever. And uh, and it wasn't about kind of yeah. There wasn't di- there was no need. There was no like, direct action, protest. These are all like by from a bygone age, and now the sort of that's coming back into politics. Politics is about like antagonism between different yeah. groups and interests, and that's that's becoming a th- and this is wildly confusing. I think for a large group of people who were like, yeah, okay, look, Flatcher, Blair, Major, Brett, they're all you know sort of polite disagreements on some of the policies, but vaguely kind of overall kind of agree. And I sort of have done okay out of that or whatever. And so those people I think are having real problems seeing like we all are, I think, I think for all of us, like it's, I find it massively anxiety inducing to see, yeah, our political economic sort of social sort of crumbling, even though I don't (laughs) like its current, you know, form. But because I'm also terrified of what will come next, because I don't think, oh, if like this piece of shit system collapses, that that's going to just immediately become so. What we know from history is yeah. it will probably be something worse. Yeah, so it's sort of bad enough. But if you have no conceptual understanding of like what politics, so yeah, you know, someone who's never been on a protest because they don't really think that's how politics works, they're probably not going to like be able to like the logical extension of that is sort of like. Yeah, things are just done in the place behind, like behind closed doors, between sort of uh, elites and that kind of thing, or the the voting booth. But obviously, I don't know. <laughs> Those of us who know better know <laughs> we we know that that's not how like history yeah it works its way out, uh, or you know, um, and uh, so that's a disconnect. That's and and so now they have to fall back on like yeah. culture war stuff. But I mean, but that's the thing. I think uh, the, the idea the choice, of calling it a culture war is is also problematic. It's it's not it's not a culture war. It's you know, it's a. I don't I don't know what would be a better thing to call it. But I mean, the idea. No, but like, that's a, no, no. But they're distraction yeah. from the racist stuff that's being protested against, right? So that that, that the, the protest, for example, isn't the culture war. That and the people involved in those protests aren't involved in the culture whatsoever. Mm. But if you term it, phrase it like that. You know, it, it manages to it sort of creates a distraction, as if that is what's happening. Mm. Which I'm not sure I've explained it very well, but yeah. So, and that, but it isn't. That isn't what it is. It's it's like part of what is a long history of democratic process mm. 
you know, that's extra parliamentary. You know, uh, but I mean, that's uh, what that's what really yeah. frustrates me about sort of the way you know the sort of the often in the media and, and I mean the general sort of political view of a lot of the protests at the moment is that you know or you know you know and quite frankly I don't mean if you look at in the states where there's sort of full-blown riots to an extent which you haven't had in the UK for a long time I mean sort of days of rioting I think that that's a people and the people coming out and saying oh you know this is not how you force change uh you know you need to sort of sit down and and say you know, you need to come to the table and you have to have a discussion and it's a slow process, but it's process and it works and blah, 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 blah. I've, well, it, it, two things that this makes me think of. One, some funny wag on Twitter was complaining about how, you know, the that by rioting, you lose all credibility and you lose the argument. Someone said, like, what about the uh, yep. Boston Tea Party? Um, and some other yeah, guys yeah. like, oh well, you know, you know, they'd been trying to talk to the king, and uh, they'd at their end of their oh, test, like, oh, that's literally <laughs> exactly what's happening. Yeah, um, yeah. So the self awareness and, and was the lack of self awareness, I think, was incredible. But also, I mean, if you consider voting rights, uh, you know, women's suffrage, the forty hour work week, uh, weekends, and child labor, you know, you think. The, the the whole you know you, you look back in modern history and you have the poll tax riots. I mean, it is an yeah, effective yeah. form of pushing the government in the right direction when it is more often than not willing to only serve itself under the guise of serving society at large. However, because the people that are often in power are so far removed from you know the everyday lived experience that they immediately seem to say, well, no, this is, this is not, these people do not speak for the vast majority of society. It's sort yeah, of like, sure. well, you don't speak for the vast majority of society. I mean, by virtue of being elected is not, I mean, you can, you can argue that, you know, oh, well, these are democratically elected people. I mean, like, well, you, yes, technically they are democratically elected, but I mean, as a proportion of the population that votes, and that voted for those people, you know, you're talking about 30% of the population. Yeah, yeah. That is, it's not, Tight, yeah. this is not a majority of people within a society. That That's that's always going to be a problem with elections. I can't think of many changes, like important changes that have been led by, let's say, mm. parliamentary mm. processes, not that haven't been the other way around where it's extra parliamentary protest movements have then, sort of filtered into let's i mean usually obviously the labor party that then has led to an outcome in legislation mm. all everything you can think of yeah. well I was, yeah i mean like sort of like big big things like you know when you had like the minimum wage introduced but people would have been working on that for, for that's because that's not just like tony blair w- yeah. woke up one day like let's give everyone six quid an hour <laughs> that would have been like some for example there's the living wage foundation now and they've been cracking away mm. for like years, trying to get like employers to sign up to it voluntarily, blah blah blah. Uh, and then Osborne obviously stole their sort of like branding and called a minimum wage mm. living wage because he's a piece of shit. But if you want to bring mm. in a living wage now, let's say labour and power now, and they came in and they brought in a living wage, that's like a lot of people's work that's been going on for like a long time that's got nothing to do with the Labour yep. Party. The Labour Party can be yep. like an instrument of of and for the you know, working class to obviously bring that because, because there's this thing of in the last 10, 15 years, well, 20 or maybe, you know, more of uh, leftist and progressive movements, uh, 
sort of abdicating and thinking, well, we don't uh, until Corbynism in the UK, sort of thinking, well, look, let's just like remove ourselves from parliamentary processes and those kind of sort of areas of power where it's like and like neoliberalism and neoliberal politics politics that loves that because it means that i mean you know you just fill the place with people that serve that sort of political process and that that's been a real weakness of like the left in most places but in the uk as well and then that we're going to go back to that possibly because of you know the end of corbynism where you kind of go, oh, yeah, the auto-globalisation movements, the green movements, feminist movements, uh, whatever, all these different groups kind of go and look so put off by parliamentary democracy because it is a lot of times, fuck, we don't get anywhere, that you kind of just, you know, recede from that and kind of then, mm. and, and the powers that be are very happy for us to do that it, because yeah. you don't get but, everything I mean, but, through doing that and it won't, you know, if you, if you let's say if Corbyn's in power now, wouldn't be like sunny uplands and everything's dealt with because everything that will be that be good will come from outside of parliament pretty much but you know if you just leave that and kind of if we now go back to this mindset of like basically when i was younger like in my sort of 20s and teenage years where labor's shit and so it's all these kind of yeah movements and social movements outside and with no connection with or any kind of you know, territory that's got any sort of power in society. And it's like, you know, things that fizzle out, the Occupy movements, whatever. If that, if we go back to that kind of thing, uh, well, you know, a bit fucked really. And things yeah. will be very slow to change. So Black Lives Matter, for example, you know, how I, I think it will, it is having an effect at the moment. It's probably going to be performative in terms of like the Keir Starmer getting on his knee. Mm, and all that yeah, sort of shit. Oh yeah, what we need is that, like, you know, you need more fucking, you know, more people of colour as MPs. Yeah. Uh, a whole... But even that, even if even if all the Labour Party was, you know, people of colour MPs, that's not going to change everything because those people start to sort of move away from their communities and stuff. So, But it is important. So, like, uh, yeah, at the moment, those... I think that it is exciting to see that there will be the seeds of that change. And I think, like, for example, the government would be forced to do something. Again, at the moment, it's sort of lip service to some extent. And they've put this, like, weird woman in charge of tackling racism. And she doesn't believe that it is happening in Britain. Mm. Well, I mean, <laughs> Which, I mean, yeah. I think that's also a cover-up from on the government's part is not only put, like, the idea that, yes, we should have a review. I mean, in the last three years, I believe, there's yeah. been eight reviews into racism and institutional racism in the uk eight reviews the, the largest one being the lammy review but there was also a review after grenfell and, and so on why the government feels that they need yet another review when they haven't even implemented and i mean this is the yeah, same yeah, tory yeah. government you know if you want to do something about if you yeah if you want to do something about it they could there's a you can't, there's a lot of work that's gone into already everything. that they could yeah, follow yeah, up yeah. on um that they haven't but the idea that okay no now we need another review but the person we're going to put in charge of this review already doesn't believe that the thing it is reviewing exists i mean so yeah. mm, that you know and and again this goes back to sort of lived experience <clears throat> as well but but it is interesting to see like particularly in the states less so in the uk um that there are like as a reaction to the protests in america there has been uh, an inkling of institutional change However, there is a long way to go. Um, you know, I mean, particularly, I mean, the States has a very different history. I mean, I used to live in, in Georgia um, when I lived there. The, um, 
the Georgia state flag uh, had was, you know, there was a little blue stripe down the left side of it. And then it was a Confederate flag. So it was essentially the Confederate flag. You know, I remember going to spend uh, 4th of July holiday um, at Stone Mountain. I don't know if you know what Stone Mountain is. But basically, it's the uh, southern equivalent of Mount Rushmore, where in the side of the mountain, they've carved four Confederate generals. Um, I mean, it's it's not like Mount Rushmore in in, in the sort of sense that their profiles. It's just a sort of picture of four generals. But it's carved into the mountain and people go and celebrate 4th of July there. And and I mean, okay, this is Georgia, this is the South. And I mean, this is the South. And uh, they're very proud of them. And, uh, and you know, and I remember sitting, I mean, I think it must've been about 14, 15 years old. I remember sitting there thinking like, does nobody see the problem with this? Like, but also I don't understand. Cause it's like, what's the connection with like getting rid of the British? Well, no, it's, it's, it's it. more a Let's case go. of, um, this is, yeah, it's, it's the place, place to go, to go yeah. to celebrate, but, it's but you do it under like, the guise of, you know, know secessionists and trace traitors to the country, <laughs> obviously. Um, because, yeah. It is funny that there's these people who love America, like, you know, love the traitors and the people who, like, tried to sort yeah. of destroy yeah. it <laughs> as a thing that came to it's Like, that lack of historical knowledge, uh, that's the sort of thing where if you're here and you see that lack of knowledge, mm. you're, like, stunned. But we, I mean, you know, talked to 99% of British people and about the, the Mau Mau yeah. Rebellion or whatever. Oh, I don't even know how to say it properly. That's what... Um, Kenyan, no, no yeah. fucking idea. You know, so like, so this this funny thing where you, you're allowed to criticize and know uh, the other country's yeah. stuff, but not. Uh, and it, it, it happens today, and I found it incredible during the COVID stuff that still happens. Where we'd all talk about China and Italy, and the same, but then worse was happening here. And in our heads, it's still like, oh, it's still kind of like China thing. That's like still like really bad in Italy. And it's like, no, 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 it's worse it, because there's just, you can't, I don't know. There's this sort of self-censorship in the society, but you could go, oh God, yeah, well, the Americans are really fucking it up. So you can see, oh, it's the racism mm. in America. Yeah, it's terrible, isn't it? And like, we sort of feel better about that, like ourselves, our own situation. And there's this real, and that is another strategy of the people who are trying to like do down the current protests here is to say it's nothing like in the US where even just putting that aside, that argument, which is obviously a facile argument, it's like, what yeah. the hell's that got to do with anything? But, you know, for them, it's like a nice little way. And and that, and it does connect with like a common sense thing out there in the general public here where it's like, yeah, you don't really see like, you know, black people being <laughs> shot all the time or being harassed. No, no, but seriously, because that is so like, either hidden mm. or just happens a bit less here or whatever it's so extreme in the u.s that obviously that a comparison to people where they just go yeah it's not that bad like police officers themselves you know you've seen all these videos come out and even myself who i'm like looking at these going oh man this must be awful i've seen like watching like things like young turks or whatever in the u.s such like there's a few videos i've seen of like police racism and violence and stuff against white people whatever that, that on that where like I, that, I can't get some of those like f- those things that I've seen on there out of my head, you know. And they are yeah. so horrific and horrifying that they're like stuck there forever. And I kind of wish I hadn't seen them. And because it's so extreme, then when you see like, I think there's a video last week of a woman being harassed in her car by a police officer who was telling her to get out. He he was 
beard prick. Like he was stopping her for no reason, yeah. basically because she's a black woman sitting in a car. That, it's so obvious. But he was being like very polite compared to American police. He wasn't beating her up. Didn't have a gun out. So already, like even myself, I've like internalized this thing of like, oh well, you know, <laughs> it, it's not as horrific <laughs> as in the US where he would have been like pointing a gun at her. So it's sort of, and then you kind of step back like, what? Well, but obviously that's. If you if every day that's your and this is obviously one thing on camera. If you like, we haven't got all the fucking footage of like seventeen year old black kids walking yeah. around London getting shit all the time, getting quite upset. You know, like you know, having people denigrate them and physically abuse them that sort of thing. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Like the the whole American thing does work as a bit of a like smokescreen for the situation here, where it almost sounds like. Oh yeah, they've got a point when like some fucking idiot says, "Oh, it's nothing like in the US," because actually the brutality is different, <laughs> and and it's you know it is diff- it's the same thing, but at different level. I don't know. I mean, that's me. Saying well, I mean, there's a South different African comedian that so. did a, a bit on uh, stand up in uh, Live at the Apollo, and he was talking about how uh, British race- racism is is very subtle. Um, you know, in South Africa, obviously, you know, when people want to be racist, it's quite easy. Uh, but it's when he comes here, he's like, oh, it's a little bit different. You know, it's, it's, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like uh, growing up in apartheid. He's like, well, you know, I knew when people were being racist because there were signs on the on the wall. Right. And they oh, were, yeah. it was really obvious. Whereas yeah. it's, it's, it's very different. Well, but there was that thing, but it doesn't even, not, so there was that one thing, I don't know if you saw it recently, where's that woman who shared a video in 2017, didn't get much traction. But she's like a TV presenter. Maybe you saw it. It's an amazing clip where she's with like it's like some weird like topical news debate show. And it's like she's talking to like Nick Ferrari, and oh, uh, Afua Hirsch, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it's amazing. Like, and they're talking about you know things she finds a bit shit in the UK or something, <laughs> like whatever. Like that she's got an issue with. And Ferrari's like, why? Why do you live here? Yeah. And I I have talked shit about the UK for thirty five fucking years. Yeah. Well, you know, until once I could speak, I was saying this place is a shithole. <laughs> and I've never, ever, ever had anyone say to me, uh, why'd you live here? Yeah. Uh, I ask myself that every fucking day. <laughs> but I'm not, I've never had someone say, obviously, because it's, and like you're watching it and thinking, you can say that in polite society still. Yeah. Yeah. You can say to a, a person of color, uh, why'd you live here? It's like, well, I was born here, so I was like, you know, if I think it's a shit, I'm allowed to think what the fuck I want. And but but even her defense has to be like, well, there's lots of things I don't like, and there's lots of things I do like. Yeah, she shouldn't even have to fucking de- deal with it on that. She could go, I think it's a shit hole. Yeah, I live here. I <laughs> got like what? Yeah, but it's, it's sort of like I mean, you know, who's actually good value for that? Uh, Ash Saka on Twitter. Yeah, um, she's always gets told to like, you know, I saw something earlier. Like go back to your like Punjabi shithole or something like that, and Jesus she's like, Christ. you know, that's no way to talk about Enfield. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean. It's like it's yeah. I mean, it's it's it's. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, I think it was yeah. It's like having to, the, you know, battles coming back that sort of people were like naively thinking, oh well, this has all been sorted out, and it's not like the nineteen seventies anymore. Yeah, it's not nineteen seventies, but it's like there's some new grim stuff yeah. and some different kind of like 
But, but um, I mean, like going back to Athel Af- Hirsch is, is quite interesting. She wrote a really good book called um, Brit-ish with ish in the... Uh, oh, um, yeah, okay. I think I've seen that, In yeah. uh, brackets uh, about race and identity. Uh, it's also similar to uh, Arcala's um, uh, Natives as well. Uh, quite interesting books. But she wrote, actually, interestingly, um, in, uh, she wrote a article saying uh, perhaps you should take Nelson's column down because uh, Horatio Nelson was a... Uh, was opposed to the abolitionist movement, um, yeah, and yeah. she did that three years ago. Yeah, which is you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. So the the idea that like you know people talking about like oh we, if we return to Colston for a second, people talking about like well you know you should have done it in a proper yeah, way yeah. and democratically. I mean, uh, and people have been trying to do that for years. I don't, it's, um, you know, and I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's, it's just well, it's, it's depressing because that stuff's still happening. But also, it is uh, there's some hope where. I think, you know, people are starting to sort of break through this, like, yeah, hermetically sealed box. It was like, oh, we've sort of dealt with racism. Everything's fine. Put it over here. And now people who don't want to have to think about that are having to. Uh, and, you know, people have, like, defensive reactions to it, um, which is usually a sort of quite probably normal sign of, like, denial and guilt <laughs> as a society. No. Yeah, it's like... I do, yeah. We live in a pathological society. Everyone should go and read some Eric from. And <laughs> no, no, but seriously, and you know, living a pathological that makes people pathological. Uh, and whenever I meet people who are quite happy and well in the world we live in, I find that deeply disturbing for that individual because I'm like, how can you grow up in a racist, sexist, you know, just hateful? Like, you know, we know that, like, how many kids are dying of diarrhea or whatever for no reason or whatever, you know, and Elon Musk is making a space machine down the road, you know, whatever. Um, if you, if you are well and, Oh, you know, feel great. <laughs> like, there's no, you know, I don't know if you're, you're sunny sort of disposition and, and that live in that sort of world. then I think that's a problem. <laughs> um, and yeah, pe- people, people don't want to be told that, you know, their history is, you know, racist, sexist, uh, you know, homophobic, whatever, because uh, I don't know, you're like breaking through something that's been placed in their mind from, you know, year zero, socially, culturally, individually. And it's, you know, very disturbing. I mean, for me, it's always been normal to like question some of this stuff, even though it wasn't really kind of a thing that was put into me by people around me so much to do that. I just sort of like was kind of autodidactic when it came to like thinking, wow, the world's fucked at a very young age and it's meant that you know I'm sort of a fairly depressive person because I like yeah. try to understand the nature of the world and it's pretty grim but obviously it's great stuff as well um, but yeah I mean th- th- people are always going to react to this stuff in different ways and I think after a certain point especially age wise and that kind of thing yeah. there is something to be said that yeah not, not people can't be written off totally um yeah, but some yeah, some people can and well, I mean, you know, some people not can get like back Brandon and they, they are happily plugged in the matrix and always will be, and you know they'll grease the plug themselves, <laughs> whatever. Uh, and it's like yeah, yeah, that's fine. I'd turn me into liquid goo <laughs> to feed me back to the system. Um, yeah, and, that, and, and you know, and, and so there's a thing of feeling a bit of sort of compassion and pity towards some of those people. Obviously, if they're being total arseholes and vile, you know, and a sort of basic, then, you know, that has to be met with the reasonable 
force in return, whether it's in terms of ideas and sort of debate or actual physical force. <laughs> so what I'm saying is punch local Nazi. <laughs> but if your uncle is saying stuff that's problematic, yeah, have a chat with him before you punch him. Sensible. But do punch him if <laughs> if he <laughs> do, but do you know, punch does him. something awful or does something horrible. Uh, on that I note, on that 50 note, minutes uh, is good. We, we should, kept it to 30, yeah. like we said we were going to do. And now we've done 50. <laughs> I've got a potato in the oven, mate. That's fucked. Gotta be, I'm going to be watching football. <laughs> Christ alive. Football and a potato. I mean, you know, if there was racism, ever a, uh, an advert racism, for white Britain, I've got my potato. You know? um. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, yeah, well, we started this talking about my Irish heritage. That's true. That's true. And now I'm going to go and eat a potato. Well, you know, beautiful. It's come full circle. Very, very much a full circle, uh, or, <laughs> a, or a, a potato shaped. The next episode uh, will be about the potato famine in Ireland. That that will get the kids in. <laughs> that will get kids in. Um, all right. Well, this has been every day in Unadir, and uh, we shall see you next time. Have a good evening. <laughs>